The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Why is it so difficult for us to have those hard conversations? Why is it so difficult for us to receive those hard conversations? As I was reflecting and praying on this challenge of fraternal correction, sharing with someone maybe a way that they need to change their behavior or when we're receiving that counsel to change our behavior, why is this so difficult for me? I think underneath it for me, when it comes to receiving correction, I think there's a fear. And the fear is this. The fear is that I feel like I'm a failure or that I'm not good enough. And when someone comes and shares that I didn't do something right, it just confirms the fact that I think that I'm a failure or that I'm not good enough. And so I take it very personally. I feel like less than. When I was in middle school and into high school, Um, I still was giving my papers over to my mom to correct, and she knows her grammar very well, a lot better than I did. And I would get my paper back, and it would just be bleeding with red ink from top to bottom. And this was actually kind of traumatic for me because, again, it wasn't just about the paper. If you're telling me I'm doing all of these things wrong on the paper, I felt like, and what my heart was receiving, I'm not good enough. I'm failing, and I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. And that was a hard pill to swallow. Thankfully, I've grown quite a bit, but I'm still in this active battle against taking personally things that people bring to me. In seminary, we're invited at the end of every year to give observations about every one of our peers. Imagine having that in your families and in the classroom, right? I mean, there'd be lots of feedback, lots of observations to share. And 
95% of the time plus would be very positive things. Here are these really good qualities I see in this man. He's going to be a great priest because I see these priestly qualities in him. But every once in a while, you'd have to share kind of a hard observation. And a few different peers had noticed that I would make an observation in conversation and then I would kind of turn it into a joke. And it seemed harmless to me, but it had kind of a biting tone for them. And they received that kind of as a personal hurt. And I'm so grateful that they shared that because I would have never known. They loved me. They cared enough about me to share kind of a hard and awkward thing. And it's still something I can battle to this day. It's difficult for us to receive correction because, again, we just take it personally. And there's a fear underneath that, I, that this is just validating all of these lies in my own mind that I'm not good enough and that I'm a failure. When it comes to giving correction to another person, there's a whole different kind of fear. The fear of man. The fear of being awkward, right? The fear of just being misunderstood, Last year, I was in a conversation with uh, someone that I care about, and he mentioned in passing that he and his wife were thinking about using IVF, in vitro fertilization. And immediately, like, the the sirens went off in my brain, and I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to say something about this. Because I had taken a class on medical ethics and on IVF, and I'm like, Lord, I really don't want to have this conversation. I mean, talk about something that's so personal, especially for a couple that's struggling to get pregnant. So I wasn't going to do it, except I was reading this historical fiction novel on um, St. Catherine of Siena, doctor of the church. And if you know anything about Catherine of Siena, her whole life, a lot of it was giving one fraternal correction after another to men in power that should have known better, right? Political rulers, priests, bishops, and the Pope himself. The Pope at the time was living in Avignon, France, as opposed to in Rome. He was a Frenchman, and it was a way more comfortable situation for him to be in France. But Catherine of Siena said, you are the successor to Peter. You have to be in Rome where Peter died. That is where the Pope lives. But Rome wasn't in good shape. There were barbarians everywhere, and it would have been a very uncomfortable and painful transition for him to make. But as she's basically calling out the Pope and basically calling him a coward, I'm like, I know, Catherine, I am a coward. I know I should have this conversation, but I really don't want to. Finally, she convinced me and the Pope. The Pope moved back to Rome. I decided to have this conversation. And I pulled this person that I care about a lot aside, and I said, hey, this is one of those really awkward conversations that I don't want to have. I just want to let you know I'm only saying this because I really love you. You mentioned IVF, and I actually had a class on this in seminary, and this process, I don't know if you're aware of this, involves fertilizing a number of eggs, probably about 10 eggs, and every fertilized egg is, we recognize, a human life. Best case scenario, most of those will remain frozen. Worst case scenario, they're actually discarded if they're seen to be imperfect or less than in some way. And so 
I'm not here to make the decision for you. I just want you to know that in case you didn't know it so you can have an informed decision. And I was like, oh boy, how's that going to go over? And then he received it so well. And I thank God for that. I prayed for the conversation beforehand that he would receive it well. And it actually led to this beautiful moment of tears from both of us as he was able to share on his heart this pain of not being able to be a father in the way that he wanted to be a father. And that's where all this was coming from. Of course, not every conversation like that is going to go over super well, but we have an obligation out of our love for this person. Do we care about them enough to help them not hurt themselves or another person or their relationship with God? Because... When we behold God face to face, we will be held accountable for those times when we knew God was asking us to say or do something and we didn't do it. Now, some of us might have no problem whatsoever giving such feedback and we just kind of bulldoze over people, right? So maybe the invitation then is to kind of tone it back a little bit, to be a little bit more gentle. And one of those general principles is we can only correct to the extent that we have affirmed. If the only thing people hear from us is correction, we're just not going to be trusted, and so we're not going to be listened to. I say a good ratio is five affirmations to every one correction. So if you haven't reached the ratio yet, you're probably not going to be received very well. So as we approach the Eucharist, I just want to pray over our hearts, over our minds, and I just want to pray that that fear can be lifted off, whether it is the fear of the awkward and hard conversation or the fear of not being good enough, the fear of being a failure, so that we can enter into freedom in these conversations. Jesus, I thank you and I praise you. You know us. You love us. Jesus, you never back down from saying the hard thing because you loved us too much not to share the truth with us. I ask you, Jesus, by the power of your name to lift off of us any fear of man, any fear of failure, fear of awkwardness, fear of the hard conversation. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind, rebuke, and cast out that spirit of fear and anxiety. Let us be washed now from the tops of our heads to the bottoms of our feet in the precious blood of Jesus. And I speak a new spirit of boldness, a spirit of courage, a spirit of love that casts out all fear and all anxiety, all fear of man. I break it off of our minds and off of our hearts so that we can abide in the truth spoken in love. Jesus, thank you for loving us so very much. In your love, cast out all fear from our heart to receive correction and to give correction. Amen.